It is the 200 level episode 160 Husker Dope. We had Husker do earlier this year, and that's of course an old band from I think Minnesota back in the 80s, alt rock band. And Husker Doe for the game that's not going to be played on Wednesday, which was going to be sort of the palate cleanser for what we saw Sunday night. Now, Sunday night's podcast with me and Trevor and Isaac, if you are a glutton for punishment, you can go back and listen in real time as Lanai fans figure out that, oh, we're about to lose a game that might cost us the Big Ten title, which you could say carp don't overreact. Wisconsin, they lost at home to Maryland too. But the problem is, or I should say the difference, Wisconsin has a long track record of winning Big Ten titles. They have a long track record of making NCAA tournaments, finishing in the top four in this conference. So that is an aberration. The problem with this Illinois team is that there have been enough bad stretches of basketball this year where I'm not sure what's the norm and what is the aberration. So what we're going to talk about today is kind of recalibrating expectations and what's fair, what would equate to a successful season if we don't get one of those banners that we can hang in the State Farm Center. And it is a possibility, you know, and I I think we all knew this anyways, but the excitement of getting basketball this year of all years with Iowa and Kofi coming back, it's easy to gloss over some of the issues that this team has. And we're seeing that in full force each time that they take the court. There is yet to be a 40-minute stretch of basketball outside of the Duke game or maybe North Carolina AT&T, AT&T, A&T, where you've thought, wow, this team, they could win it all. There's been stretches I mean, the Northwestern second half was incredible. After you were trailing 19-4 to against Penn State, incredible, right? But we have also been the beneficiaries of a pretty light schedule the last few weeks. And man, the Maryland game, that's going to bite you. It is. To what extent, we'll find out. And this team still controls their own destiny. But unfortunately, one of those easy wins that would have cleansed the palate, that is off the table. You do not play Nebraska Wednesday. And instead, you have a week off with no warm-up game before a pretty tough Ohio State team comes to town with EJ Liddell, the guy that this team could use, probably more than anybody. Now, if we lose Saturday, I mean, that's a possibility. If we do, that is going to be DEFCON 2, right? This team, I think is safely in the tournament. I think they are safely going to be a four or five seed at worst because of the strength of schedule and how good they are. I I still think this is a very good team, but I want greatness. I'm greedy, and I think a lot of us are too. So let's talk today about what is okay to be greedy about, what are the concerns with this team, and uh, we'll talk a few other things as well, maybe a little bit of Illinois football, but we'll, we'll just see where this podcast goes. We haven't done one of these solo things for about a week, so there's plenty to talk about. Before we get too far into this, 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdoe.com and $6 premium and construction zones. Best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So get a custom zone with any toppings that you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone at dpdoe.com. Also, 4th and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Great vintage-inspired Illini apparel. And hey, listen, I know the Maryland game kind of stunk, but this Illinois team, they're still a tournament team. They still got many games left to play. You need to get your lucky shirt. Isaac did not wear his lucky shirt on uh, Sunday night. He didn't even wear an Illini shirt. So I think going forward, Isaac, he learned his lesson. He's going to wear his fourth and Kirby swag. Go online again to fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, renters, business, you name it, Brian is our guy. He was when we moved to this new house. It was a seamless process. Great personalized service from Brian and his staff. And we knew Brian beforehand, but working with them, surpassed even our high expectations. So go to Brian is my guy 
Com. Awana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. So we got a lot of things to talk about with Illinois basketball and not the sort of things that I wanted to. Oh, real quick. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts especially, that is a huge help for us. And that helps us move up the search engine when someone types in Illini. So thank you guys for all the ratings and reviews. They've been a huge help. And it's just great to hear from you. And you can also interact on Twitter at FanboyCarp. And there were some interactions after that game on Sunday night, but I think that here's the primary difference between that Maryland game and, let's say, the Missouri game. The Missouri game, there was legit anger. Legit anger because it felt like you kind of got punked for 40 minutes. The Maryland game is more disappointment and maybe a pit in the stomach feeling of, oh, wow, like we didn't necessarily play our worst game. Maryland, they certainly made a decent number of shots, but they kind of took it to you. It wasn't that Illinois was flat. In fact, I thought the energy was great early in that game. It was the fact that Maryland played their butts off, and even without their starting point guard, they were good enough to beat you. Now, what does that mean going forward? I don't know. I mean, Illinois could beat Ohio State, and then win next week against Penn State, as long as they figure out their COVID-19 issues. And then that sets you up for, I think, next Saturday night at Michigan State, which begins, let's call it, the gauntlet of this Big Ten schedule. But yeah, it was more disappointment than anger because this Maryland team, they look the part. They got athletes. They have Illinois' number dating back to last year where you should have won in College Park. You did not. And that game ultimately cost you a chance at the Big Ten title. But you had a mulligan at home on a Friday night in February, one of the craziest atmospheres at the State Farm Center. And by halftime, they just zapped the energy out of it because of how good they were with Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan. Well, they don't have those guys. They didn't have Eric Ayala. But they had the Smith kid. They had Morcel. We remember them from last year. Good players, not great, but they are athletes. They're big, and they're tough matchups for this Illinois team that doesn't really have a presence at the wing. Now, real quick, Alan Griffin, as you guys know, if you listened last year, Alan Griffin was one of my favorite guys on the team. Yes, he could make some boneheaded plays, and he would miss defensive assignments, but at the end of the day, he had a knack for getting rebounds. He had an energy, and he could score. But he also had size and athleticism, and defensively, I think he would have come into his own eventually and maybe been a better option at the three or the four for this team. Right now, you're putting DeMonte, and I love DeMonte. I do, but he is limited, even defensively, against guys that are bigger than him, and we saw that on Sunday night. We saw that Trent Frazier, when he's not out there, that really hurts the defense, and if anything, the entire product. Trent has not been great offensively. We know that, at least in the Big Ten shooting-wise, not very good at all. But when he went out, that team did not really recover. That's partly because Curbelo had his worst game of the season, I thought, but also because Trent maybe does have that intangible quality that you know we, we think about, but it's hard to quantify until he's not on the court for an extended period of time. That hurt Illinois. Io, not efficient. I know we got his in terms of statistical production, but not efficient. Kofi, for whatever reason, we stopped beating him in the second half. I chalk that up to coaching, and I normally don't pivot to that because... I somehow doubt that Brad Underwood wasn't telling the guys give Kofi the ball, right? Eventually, execution has something to do with it. But that was as blatant of <laughs> just, you got to do that, right? Kofi had what, 16 at halftime, I think, or 19 maybe. And you fed him once in the first eight minutes of the second half and then hardly at all down the stretch. And he was making his free throws. You take all these issues together. And what I think is the most frustrating and, and disappointing more than anger, right? I say anger after the Missouri game, but disappointment after the Maryland game is that we're a month past that Missouri game. And the same issues with this team sort of putting forth a lackadaisical 
focused effort for 40 minutes, that persists. We see this now in the middle of a Big Ten race. Io came out and as a leader said the right things. We're five and two. This is a journey. It's a bump in the road. You can't freak out. And as a fan, I'm not trying to freak out, but I do have that pit in my stomach feeling that this team is perpetually going to have these moments. And the thing is, we could say, listen, they might not win the Big Ten. They might not win the Big Ten tournament, but come tournament time, NCAA tournament time, this is as dangerous a team as you're going to find. But the problem with that is the same issues that plague this team now and they have throughout this entire season, the slow starts, which they actually didn't really have against Maryland, go figure. The long stretches of time where an opponent can go on a significant run while you're scoreless, that's the stuff that loses you games in the NCAA tournament. Now, this team could go on a hot streak and they could win three, four games in the NCAA tournament. And trust me, this conversation is null and void, but I think it is okay to be concerned and to be disappointed for a team that should be better and has enough guys that know better, and yet they don't. Where's the urgency? I think in terms of life, the older I get, the more urgent I become. This sense of, I got to get this done because I don't know how much time I got left. Not trying to get morbid as a 34-year-old, but truly the old idea of carpe diem, right? Live each day to the fullest and don't waste any hour if you can help it. Now, that's a little bit more difficult than a pandemic where there's not many things to do. But the fact that we got this season in the first place, as a fan, I had a lot more, I think, if not anxiety, just no, just overall excitement that we would get this reprieve from our day-to-day doldrums of this pandemic life that we've lived for a year now, and that this team would have the urgency to match it, knowing that with Iowa and Kofi back, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity. I don't think that's hyperbole to say that For all the Illinois basketball teams I've seen, there has not been any year where two impact players, the likes of Iowa and Kofi, have come back when they didn't need to. You can say Kofi would have maybe gotten drafted. He'd be playing pro ball, at least in Europe right now. He'd be making money playing basketball. He chose to come back. Same with Iowa. So when you have that returning, you have enough, enough other role players and even starters, returning starters, to think that, yeah, I know what we lost, but... This is a team that is good enough to win a Big Ten title. And now you find yourself at 5-2, and two, dropping a very disappointing home loss. It makes you wonder, do I need to recalibrate? Do my expectations need to change? Now, I don't think they need to just yet. But in a weird way, let's say this team goes on a win streak, and yet they're merely keeping pace with the other teams competing for a Big Ten title. That Maryland game almost grows more frustrating. If, if Illinois wins four in a row, but everybody else, they continue to win theirs, and you're still a game or two back in the race, and you're thinking, how the hell did we lose that game? How? Really? So with this team, here's how I'm recalibrating my expectations. I said after the Rutgers game, I was going to go in this eight-game stretch, and it was going to be show-me mode. Show me that you can win these eight games, or go seven and one. I acquiesced and said, go seven and one. They can still do the seven and one thing, as long as they beat Ohio State and Penn State, actually 6-1, and because the Nebraska game, of course, isn't happening. But you can still go 6-1 and one in this stretch. I think Michigan State is a much more winnable game than we probably would have thought back when I said, go 8-0. And then that leads to the Iowa and the Wisconsin and the Michigan and the at Indiana. I think it's at Michigan as well. That's the gauntlet. And you still control your own destiny against those teams. Now, I will say right now, gut gut feeling about where this team's going to go. I don't think this team's going to win a Big Ten title, and I hope those are my famous last words. My nightmare scenario, and this is going to sound so ridiculous as an Illini basketball fan that has not even seen a tournament 
since 2013. This will sound ridiculous, so I'm just cautioning you about that. My nightmare scenario is that this team does not win a Big Ten title, doesn't win a Big Ten tournament title, they get a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament, and they lose in the second game. Don't even make it to the second weekend. And that's all possible. What's also possible is they win a Big Ten title, and they make it to the second weekend in the tournament, and we put this up there with some of our favorite seasons of all time. But there's something off about what we've seen so far. Now, the encouraging thing is last year at about this time, you had beaten Wisconsin on the road, but I don't think people were fully convinced that last year's team had turned a corner. At that point, I still felt like the Wisconsin game was a lot of fun. It put them right back in the thick of an NCAA tournament conversation, but I wasn't convinced that a new trend had emerged. A new trend can emerge. This team can find consistency somehow, some way. They got to find it internally. There was no one coming to save the day. They got to find it in this roster, in this seven, eight-man rotation that they have. But they can, because we've seen it before. We saw it last year. But doesn't it feel like this team has had to labor a lot more than we expected? And listen, that is the cost of high expectations, where all of a sudden we're nitpicking these little things, despite the fact that this team is objectively a top 20 team. They are. Even what happened on Sunday, this is a top 20 team based on talent and what they've accomplished so far. They've beaten some pretty decent teams in there. That Minnesota win, I know Minnesota didn't win at Iowa, but that's a tournament team and you smoked them by 25 points. Purdue is starting to play pretty good ball now. So watch and see if that one doesn't become a little bit better. But you don't have that marquee win, because at Duke is not what we thought it was. You don't have that marquee win that you can fall back on and say, see, I know that we're great. Right now, we are merely in the camp of pretty darn good. And I like it. I want to be here consistently. I want to be that top 20 program. But knowing what you lose next year, presumably with Iowa and Kofi, and I guess you could throw DeMonte and Trent in the mix, but we'll see what they decide, because they could come back. Knowing what you lose next year, and knowing that you were kind of gifted this opportunity in the first place, with Iowa and Kofi coming back. Yeah, I'm, I'm gunning for greatness, right? That's what I want. I think it's fair to expect it, and I think it's fair to be disappointed with the lack of consistency that this team has shown. Now, you may notice this doesn't have a lot of venom, right? I, I don't have a lot of, you know, pull my hair out kind of anger about this team because I think I've kind of been exhausted. And here's what I mean by that. I've been a little bit exhausted the way this season's gone so far because it feels like the feel-good moments that we've had, second half Northwestern, the last 35 minutes of the Penn State game, at Duke, that they've been unfortunately interrupted by prolonged stretches of not just mediocre basketball, but bad basketball or messy basketball, sometimes even dumb basketball, you know, not feeding Kofi the ball in the second half when no one was going to stop him. And it makes me think, what isn't gelling right now? What isn't working? I know we got a couple freshmen out there that are impact players, but there's enough veteran players on this team that you should be able to overcome that. And the schedule allowed you to do that. Maryland allowed you to do that without Ayala on the court. You should have won that game by 10, 12, 15 points. Wasn't that your sentiment when you found out the starting point guard, Maryland's second best player maybe, that he wasn't going to be playing? That's what I thought. That's a reasonable thought. If you are, in fact, a top 15 team like the ranking still suggests, you're 14 in the nation, you get that done. And you didn't. And I can't really go back to any other Big Ten title teams that Illinois had where they've had a disappointing home loss like what we saw on Sunday. 
you can go back to Bruce Weber's first year, and they lost at Wisconsin by like 20 points. This was in early January, and I remember it felt like a crossroads for that team. They might have lost at home to Purdue as well. But again, I'm pretty sure that was a tournament team for Purdue. I, I can't recall 100%, but that would be the closest thing that I could think of for a team that dropped a game in early January and they overcame it because they went on a crazy hot streak and they finally put it together and they finally met that crossroads. But what's all the more frustrating, I keep using the word frustrating when I say that I'm not angry about this team, but disappointing, let's go with that, is that this team has had plenty of these bumps along the road that should have cautioned them before that Maryland game, that they can't just come out and play a B-minus effort and expect to win. The Northwestern first half alone, that should have been turning the page. What you did in the second half against Northwestern should have been, hey, we aren't going to go 53-13 to in most halves. But if we play like that, we're going to beat most teams in the Big Ten. And instead, you followed up with a very lackluster performance when you really should have been feeling your oats, not in some sort of lazy swagger kind of way, but, oh, right, if we play our asses off, this is what happens. There just seems to be something missing from this team. We know that Andres Feliz is a factor. We know that because he was really the motor for last year's team where for the first 30 minutes of games, I owe more the closer, and I know he didn't close it for you against Maryland. That still kind of surprises me. But Feliz was the guy for the first 30 minutes that got things done, even in the stretches of basketball, where maybe instead of a 9-0 run for the opponent, Feliz would get you a couple layups to make it 9-4, right? He kept you afloat. We aren't having those moments right now. The 19-0 run by Purdue, a couple, I think, 9-0 runs by Maryland. It gets tougher than this. And until this team figures out what makes them tick, they will begin losing Big Ten games at a higher clip. I don't think that they can wave a magic wand and all of a sudden play with these sort of, let's call it the good swagger, right? I think there was good swagger and bad swagger. Bad swagger is waltzing into Northwestern and trailing by 15 at halftime, right? Swagger's not always good, but they somehow conjured that and channeled it in a positive way in the second half. And it needs to be that kind of swagger if this team is going to go on a run. But we just haven't seen it for prolonged stretches to make me think they can do that yet. So that's why recalibrating expectations and thinking, well, what do I expect from this team? I know what I want. I want a Big Ten title, and I still don't think that's too much to ask. But what I expect, I expect them to finish fourth or fifth in the conference, right around 20 in the AP poll, and get a four or five seed in the tournament. Listen, by most any objective measure, that is a good year. Am I going to look back on this as one of the most disappointing Illinois teams of all time? No, but I will look back on this season. If that's all what comes to pass, right? And there's not any NCAA tournament success to really kind of bolster that. I would look back on this year as unfulfilled potential. And as this season goes on, we're already in mid-January. We won't get a game on Wednesday. We got to wait until January 16th for the next one. And I don't want this season to come and go and then reflect back on it and think, well, what was that? What was my favorite moment? What was your favorite moment of this season? There's two that I can think of, right? Maybe three. It'd be at Duke because, listen, you still won at Duke, and we'll see how good that team becomes. Though right now, they kind of stink. We have, I guess, the Penn State game right before Christmas where the last 35 minutes, you just kind of took it to them, feeling good going into Christmas time, right? And then you got the Northwestern second half. But you've had all these other opportunities to feel a little bit better about where you're at, and yet ask yourself, how good do you really feel about this team? In your gut, right? If you're saying that, ah, they're going to be okay, you aren't saying that based on what we've seen on the court so far. 
And I know there's really smart guys. Listen, Mike, Mike LaTulip knows a hell of a lot more about basketball than I do. He seems to be in the camp that this team will figure it out. And you know what? A lot of the advanced metrics and things suggest that this team is better than their record. And I hope that's the case, right? I think Trent Meacham, same sort of mindset, because I know that he was on the call on Sunday night, and then he went to Channel 3 to do a post-game hit with Marley Weirda. And I think that he is in the same boat as well. I think a lot of former college basketball players, they seem to be inching towards that. But I know Sean Harrington talked about a couple of maybe yellow flags for this team, why they are not the surefire favorite to win the Big Ten title. We would agree with most of those, right, that this is not the surefire favorite. But we are so tantalized by the good moments that we see that anything less than that, yes, it does feel like unfulfilled potential. Io is special. Kofi is special. Likely they won't be here next year. And I want something tangible. That's kind of been my mantra for this entire season is a mantra or mantra that I want something tangible to hold on to a banner to hang for these guys, because this is a weird season. They are making personal sacrifices by not seeing their family as much, not probably going out and enjoying the campus life, which you can't really do anyways now, but I digress. And I want to be able to look back on this year in a year where there wasn't really much to hang our hats on. If you're a fan of Illinois sports or even the professional teams, there has not been a lot to hang your hat on. The Bears, they aren't doing it. The Cubs, they stink again. The White Sox, that's kind of exciting, but then they hire a doofus like Tony La Russa. Blackhawks stink. Bulls, they're getting there. But Illinois football, okay, well, I'm excited for Brett Bielma, certainly, but we don't have a lot of wins in the last calendar year. And then Illinois basketball, that's our saving grace. There's no doubt I put a lot of eggs in this basket as this sort of please salvage 2020 for us. And they could still do that. They could still do that. But I'm just a little bit more leery of that happening than before. And I don't think it's overreaction. I don't think it's overreaction because the Maryland game was symptomatic of what we've seen from this team. It just so happened that the rough stretch that you had in previous games, but you still found a way to win them against lesser competition. You really just put together 40 minutes of, I guess you're fine, right? You got Maryland's best shot. You're going to continue to get, get opponents' best shots. You're going to get Ohio State's best shot. You know EJ Liddell is going to be up for that game. And think about the pit in the stomach feeling you would get if Saturday, this is a good Ohio State team coming to town. This would be a very quality win. I know how good I would feel if Illinois won that. It would really wash the stink off of that Maryland game because it would tell me that this team will play to the level of their competition, and that competition is raising, right? So I know how good I'd feel Saturday if they beat Ohio State. I don't want to think about how empty I would feel if they lose. And that's a distinct possibility. Now, they could come out guns blazing. They could win by 12 against Ohio State. And whoa, Nelly, here we are back in the Big Ten title conversation. But even with that, I'm weary of these random games, much more like the at Indiana's than the at Michigan's. For some weird reason, I, I'm more worried of the trap games than the games against the elite teams, for lack of a better term, in the Big Ten. Because I feel like this team will get up for those. I think they probably will, but there just seems to be this perpetual inability to not get up for your opponent if you just don't have that natural excitement to play them. Think about the Baylor game. That was not a question about you weren't up for it or you weren't ready for it. That team was pumped, and really, despite not shooting the ball well and not having good games from a lot of your guys, you hung in there because you were playing your butts off against Baylor. And they're just much better than you. So that, I don't even look back on that game as some sort of disappointment. That was a team that outclassed you because there were a bunch of seniors that had played together for a long time. They are probably going to be in the final four. Hey, that's fine. 
I can live with that. But you look at games like Missouri specifically, not just because it's a rivalry game, but because clearly that Illinois team didn't want it as much as Missouri. And it makes me think, why the hell don't you want this? Why do I, as a fan, want it more than you do? Is it because I've been starved for actual success for about 15 years? Other than Gross's first year, it really feels like 15 years since Illinois basketball has been where it should be, consistently in the top 20, relevant in the Big Ten. I know maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I'm more starved for it because for 15 years, I've been dealing with these struggles. And at most, for the guys on the team, it's been four. And that might just be it. Old carp. You know, you think these things would be more in perspective, but for me, the perspective has changed like this. I have more urgency now for them, for this basketball program, I should say, to do special things when they have the roster capable of doing it. And when they don't, I don't know when we're going to get that special roster back. I thought for sure in 05-06 that even though the recruiting was not going great for Bruce Weber, that they would find somehow some way to get this thing done long-term. It just felt like we were predestined to be good forever. And then a little slice of humble pie and you realize that's not the case. And yeah, it is hard not to start thinking about the recruiting misses. Oscar Toshibwe, or it's Toshibwe, might be a silent T. He goes to Kentucky. And not a big surprise, but yet again, another miss. Another target that you weren't able to snare in, despite the fact you could have sold him on the fact that you're Kofi next year. Didn't work. He's going to Kentucky. So yeah, it's hard not to start thinking worst case scenario. Like if this year just kind of comes and goes and it's fine, you know, it's fine. Then you get into next year and you'll probably be a tournament team, but that chance at a Big Ten title, you got to start getting the studs in here. You got to replenish. So the micro feeds into the macro concerns. And this idea that I think a lot of us had after last year, and Iowa and Kofi come back. Yes, Brad Underwood's got it. It's under control. Well, we still haven't accomplished anything yet. <laughs> like, that's the thing. We haven't accomplished anything yet. And I hope that team could take that mindset and really run with it. They've lost that chip on their shoulder. They're playing like the favorites. And not in a good way, right? We've seen Illinois teams that have embraced that target and done really well. But I think there's the, the key difference I could go back to is in Self's first two years, the first year, that was a team that returned a lot of guys. And I think in preseason publications was a favorite along with Michigan State, probably. But it's not like that first Bill Self team, we knew 100% that they were going to win a Big Ten title. They still had to labor for it. They were chasing the entire year. And then the next year, with the target on their back and with a bunch of guys coming back, I think everyone just assumed that they were going to be destined for great things. And with that target on their back, they didn't respond quite as well. I look at this team. Last year, they were the aggressor. They were able to go out there and they were the upstart Illinois team that not many people expected to be great, that played some great basketball there for a stretch in January and February. They were able to be the aggressor, the attacker. And now this year with the shoe on the other foot, they are the attacked. They are the hunted. And for whatever reason, that's not jiving. They are not really figuring out how to play that role consistently or at least consistently well. Now, leave it to Nebraska to screw this all up. I wasn't looking forward necessarily to playing Nebraska. Why would you? They got a bunch of Juco kids. They can make some shots. And I thought, oh, God, worst case scenario, we go out there flat. They're making three-pointers. And you thought the Maryland loss was disappointing. What about Nebraska? But I think the likely outcome would have been that you would have went out there. You would have recovered. 
you would have won that game fairly comfortably and set yourselves up nicely for a home match against Ohio State on Saturday, which is a big one. Still is. It's even bigger now that you don't have this warm-up on Wednesday. But just leave it to Nebraska. I recall distinctly the Wednesday before the pandemic really got underway here. NBA, they get canceled. Tom Hanks, oh my God, he has it. And I see Fred Hoiberg dying on the sideline. And leave it to Nebraska between Fred Hoiberg exposing his team not to COVID, but the flu, just sick as a dog on the sideline. And then there are the parents that lead the charge for college football to come back, only for college football to end rather unceremoniously with Alabama kicking Ohio State's ass. Wasn't that a fun college football season? Good God. And now we have Nebraska basketball screwing up our schedule. And we'll probably play them and make it up because I'm guessing Illinois will still be in that Big Ten title race as we get into late February. They find a date. And then all of a sudden, you got three games in eight days because Nebraska couldn't keep their crap together. Now, that is a little bit unfair. (laughs) For all I know, they practice every precaution and they've done everything right. And how widespread this COVID-19 is, geez, I sound like an old person. How widespread that COVID-19 is then someone just inevitably got it, right? That might be the case. Maybe they were careful. But just leave it to Nebraska, a team that no one else in the Big Ten even wants here anymore. They could just go away, and who's going to care? I don't even need the free win in basketball. Just go away. Even the Fred Hoiberg thing, which I thought was going to make sense, it just it's not cute. Leave. You're screwing up our schedule. Now I don't have a game to watch on Wednesday. But then I took a step back, and I thought, you know what? I don't maybe mind this break. We weren't going to do a post-game pod on Wednesday anyways because instead a Tuesday, Thursday solo pod before Saturday's big game, it was a late start. And listen, if I can be completely honest here, I agree that the whole, oh, that's a really late basketball game. I agree that gets played up a little bit. But, you know, 9 o'clock at night, that's my time to start decompressing. So what I did not want to face was a second half against Nebraska where I'm sweating it out a little bit. The podcast ends at 10-15. I'm all fired up, either because Illinois won a game that was far too close, or they lost, God forbid, and then I'm not sleeping well. Because i got to be honest, too. I did not sleep well Sunday night. I didn't. That game lingered. Very sour taste in my mouth after that one, and it lasted into Monday. Doesn't help that it's been cloudy for basically all of 2021 until today. Thank God. It's amazing the difference the sun can make. But that game, that result was ugh, air coming out of the balloon when I felt like after Northwestern, I think a lot of us felt the same way. How could you not, after the dominance in the second half, that this team figured it out? I understand the figuring it out, that is a season-long process for most teams, unless you are just juniors and seniors that have played together for a long, long time. All of these teams are just figuring out their stuff. Okay, So that, that is probably unfair of me to have presumed that after Northwestern. It felt like Illini fans had the mojo back, right? The next day, we're all texting our friends. I had a friend that didn't even stay up for the second half. They had a big day on Friday. Actually, why did I say a friend? You guys know him, Andrew, who's been on the podcast before. And he had a big interview. He went to bed after Illinois was trailing 15, so he could make sure he got plenty of sleep before this big opportunity Friday. I don't blame him. I know a couple other people that didn't watch the entire second half, and then they wake up the next day thinking, whoa, And that's making the rounds. You're texting people you know. You see Twitter world is light up, lit up, excuse me. I'm an English teacher. I should know my verb tenses. But even for this podcast, we had the single best day. We had 1,350 downloads of that podcast in a 24-hour period. 
1350, the best 24-hour stretch we've ever had for that Northwestern game. Maryland, let's just say we didn't get 1350. (laughs) And why would you? Why would you subject yourself to that? So yeah, it's that excitement. It's the air out of the balloon. It's the, oh God, now we need to pick up the pieces again. And this team needs to figure out what the hell they are. When I just wanted it to be easier, you know how selfish that sounds? I just wanted it to be easier as a fan. And it's not going to be easy. If they're going to win a Big Ten, it's going to be hard. And that's why for recalibrating the expectations, is it okay if this team finishes fourth in the Big Ten, wins a game in the NCAA tournament, and that's just kind of it, finishes in the top 20 or so? That's fine. It is. We'll look back at media guides and say, hey, that was a pretty good team. I want more than pretty good, and I think most Illini fans do. And I think for all the bluster that this team had, and rightfully so, with the guys that were coming back, they had expectations for themselves. I need to see some urgency. I think we all do before we get on board with this team being potentially great. They are momentarily great. They are great in fits and starts. But man, you see these prolonged stretches where you're thinking, that's it? Is this all there is? Because if that's the case, then it would be hard, even as a homer, to pencil this team in for doing much in the NCAA tournament. A friend of mine on a chat thread said the very same thing on Sunday. He said, yeah, you know, it wasn't a great game. It's disappointing, but this team's still going to be dangerous in the tournament. And I got to give Jeremy credit for this, actually, because a long time ago, back in 93.5, he convinced me that really Big Ten titles, that's what you hang your hat on. That is a season's work right there. And that a single elimination tournament, you can never really count on that to be the thing that saves your season. If anything, you put too much emphasis on the NCAA tournament and you can take a really good season and all of a a sudden turn it into a bittersweet one just because they lost a fluky game in a single elimination tournament. I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket. Not for this team that is so maddeningly inconsistent anyways. I don't want to do that for the NCAA tournament. I just want them to figure it out so we stay in this Big Ten race, so we don't lose more ground, and then hopefully make up for the fact that we lost at home to a not-so-good Maryland team. I'll be rooting for Maryland. I will be. We we don't play them again, so that's just one game against the Maryland team that hopefully they can figure out their own stuff and improve on their Ken Palm, which right now is at 45. Listen, there are worse teams that you could lose to. You could have lost to Ohio in the third game of the season, And I think they're like 170 or something in in the Ken Palm. They have not had the season I think we were hoping they would after that close win. But right now, that Maryland game is one that's going to move you down a seed in the NCAA tournament. That's a damn shame because this team is capable of it. But it's really a question now of can they figure it out consistently enough to go from pretty good to great? I'm skeptical. I wish I wasn't, but I am. That's the basketball stuff. Football real quick. You basically have a coaching staff now excited about all of these guys, including the Missouri defensive coordinator waters that came up young guy, 34 and one that it it seemed like Missouri and their media down there was trying to paint as, ah, you know, we don't really want him anymore. Anyways, I don't know if I buy that. Uh, I think that that was a holdover from the previous staff. And if Drinkwitz wanted to kind of pave his own path down there, he's probably just going to talk as if, Oh, thanks. But, we're moving on. This is a good pickup. It's a proven power five commodity. And most of these guys on this coaching staff are just that. They are lifers. There's a ton of experience and more importantly, college football experience on this staff. And to me, that tells you competency. 
we will see competence. Is the roster good enough for that to mean a lot of wins next year? I don't know. But you do get Isaiah Gay back. You are working the transfer market. You got a fullback today, actually, from Michigan State. Last time I think you had a fullback on the roster would have been Jay Prosh. And man, he was a hell of a player. He would have been in 2010 and maybe 2011 as well. And he just, he helped Mikel LaShore to one of the best seasons of any Illinois running back. So we get a fullback from Michigan State, which, you know, that alone shouldn't excite me all that much, except for the fact that you continue to attract the attention of not just Power 5 coaches, but Power 5 players. So I'm excited to see the next month or two how this all shapes out. I think when we get into March, we'll have a really good idea of what this roster is going to be going into next year. We're certainly going to know what the staff is. But I keep going back to that word competence, which is something that we are not at all familiar with here. <laughs> and if the team ever looked competent, it was like a week-to-week basis, or really more for Lovey Smith, a quarter-to-quarter basis. And most quarters played by that team were worse, uh, or I should say worse, not better, right? I think that you do raise that floor immensely with the staff. And I'm also excited at the fact of, you see these quotes from these coaches that are coming in to play for Bielema. They did not need to come to Illinois, right? There clearly is a lot of respect and cachet that he still has in the coaching ranks. He's using that to great effect by filling out the staff with guys that know what they're doing. And now we're going to start to see that come into fruition with the transfers and with recruiting at a high school level. So reason to be excited for that. I am, I got to be honest, the disappointment of Illinois basketball has temporarily halted my excitement for Illinois football. I'm a little bit tunnel vision. So when we're in the middle of a Big Ten basketball season, it's difficult for me to divert my attention. But I am excited to see this next month or two. And as we get into spring practice, I think we're going to be all the more excited as we get an idea what the two deep is going to be, as we get an idea what the offensive system is going to look like, the defensive system and then we can start projecting forward towards the season. Right now, too early for me to do any dare to dream because we don't even have a complete roster. We don't know what schematics are going to look like, but even just the macro kind of stuff that comes out in the spring will help us kind of gauge, okay, what should our expectations be for this year? I will say what they probably should not be is 2-10 and 10 or 3-9, and nine, like many first seasons go for Illinois football. I'm going to place them a little bit higher than that, but I will let more information trickle in before I try to make any grand proclamations about what this team should or should not do. Let's just say I feel a lot more comfortable with Bielema at the helm than I did Lovey Smith, and that's not a high bar to clear. Let's be honest, that's not a very high bar to clear, but it feels as if we have someone that knows what they're doing at this level controlling things. And it doesn't even need to work out marvelously for us to still have a team that we look forward to watching. And that's all I need. As an Illini football fan, just give me a team that can win six, seven games a year. We've said it ad nauseum, but I think it bears repeating that our expectations for football are meager I think this coaching staff can achieve those. Basketball, our expectations are sky high. Don't lose those. Don't lose those. Enjoy the ride, but don't feel guilty for calling out bad play when there shouldn't be this level of bad play at this point in the season. Okay, real quick before we go, talk basketball, brief little thing on football there. Wanted to address something that this is now six days ago. I addressed it on Twitter, on my Facebook timeline, what happened last Wednesday at the Capitol. And I will just let you know, fair warning right now, if politics are not your bag and if truly the 200 level is just a sports podcast for you, then you don't need to listen to this. And I'm just going to give you that kind of prologue so you can make that decision yourself. 
I know that back in the summer when we didn't have sports to talk about and we started going off onto these different tangents of the social and political realm that not everyone's on board with that. I'm not going to begrudge you of that. I hope you listen, but you don't need to. But this goes now into what happened last Wednesday and the essential cancellation of our president on Twitter, on Facebook, all these social media platforms, and something that's bugged me for a long time. I'm not going to talk so much about what happened in the Capitol last Wednesday because that's troubling enough, and you've gotten enough of that coverage, and it is something I've never seen before and hope to never see again. And I am a little bit worried about follow-up protests gone awry as we get into inauguration and things like that. But I do want to talk about the First Amendment because for some reason, no other amendment seems to get misconstrued more than the First Amendment. Now, when it comes to Donald Trump being deplatformed from Twitter, from Facebook, from Instagram, who knew he had an Instagram? I had no idea. You get calls from his supporters saying that this is a violation of the First Amendment, that this is censorship, freedom of speech, yada, yada, yada. Same thing happened with the Duck Dynasty guy when they canceled Duck Dynasty on A&E back in the day because the guy said some bigoted stuff and they said, we don't want to be associated with them. Listen, privately held companies or even ones that are publicly traded but privately owned, right? They can make those decisions for themselves. They can say that this speech, we cannot have this speech on our platform. As big as they are, until Facebook and Twitter and these services get deemed to be utilities or something like that, they still get to make that call. Now, we talk about censorship. The reason that Donald Trump was on Twitter for as long as he was is because they said, as a matter of historical record, you need to let the president speak out. And I kind of agree with that. I don't, of course, agree with a lot of the things that Trump was saying, but I understood why he had the platform to do it. He is a leader, and this is something that is, you know, something you document just like you would speeches from FDR back in the day. This is presidential speech, and I understand why they protected it for as long as they did. Now, could they have done something sooner? Absolutely, because there was other rhetoric that came from Trump in the last four years that was a bit insightful if not directly, at least indirectly, and really fed into this sort of feverish pitch that we've seen from his most ardent supporters, the, the type that at least would go out to Washington, D.C. and break into our nation's capital, as if that's normal. <laughs> it's not. And it's amazing how, like a frog in warm water, last Wednesday should have shocked us, but I don't think it did, because even if we didn't recognize that something like that was imminent, I think the last four years and the temperature of this country, we were not all too surprised by what happened. We should be. We should be shocked. Regardless, going back to this point of First Amendment and taking Donald Trump off these platforms, at the end of the day, if I go on Twitter and I start inciting essentially a riot or if I incite an act of insurrection, which is what we saw last Wednesday, I'm probably going to get kicked off Twitter too. Yes, people have gotten kicked off or suspended from Twitter for far less offenses, right? And I understand how this could be construed as either a slippery slope argument or one just simply that Twitter is inconsistent with how they police these things. I wouldn't question you on that argument about the inconsistency, but they gave the president the benefit of the doubt for four years to use that platform to get his message out there. For four years, they allowed it, and there was a bunch of crap, of course, that he spewed throughout all those, what would that be? I'm not good with math. 48 months of his presidency. So it might have taken 47 and three quarters months to finally rein it in. 
But five people, or I guess now six, died last Wednesday as a result of what happened on the Capitol. That was inciting violent behavior. And he should be suspended for that. He should be kicked off for that. It's not a First Amendment issue. It is a privately owned company deciding we don't want this on our platform. And they and Facebook and Instagram and all of them, they have the right to do that. I think when we direct our frustrations, in this case, towards the social media companies, it reminds me of how the media has turned into this monolithic term, and people always blame the media for this. They blame the media for that. I got a friend, and we get in these conversations, and I want to pull my hair out because I continue to hear that the media is at fault as much, if not more so, than our leaders. And to me, that argument's always felt like a cop-out. The media has not been perfect. The media has splintered more into a partisan type of coverage, and I understand why that's frustrating for people. It's frustrating for me. We don't watch cable news because there's not much benefit we're going to get from it. And I recognize that as someone that got my journalism degree, that is an avid consumer of news coverage, but also recognizes the blind spots that each of them have, regardless of network, right? But to me, that is just such a a lazy, lazy argument to throw out there. It's the media's fault. Or here's another good one. Both sides. Both sides are equally culpable here. No, they aren't. They aren't as me and my friend have gotten into heated discussions, unfortunately, in a pandemic uh, over a text thread instead of in person, which I hate because conversations are so much better in person. But as I've often tried to relay to him, that is a false equivalency to say both sides, right? Back in the summer when there were Black Lives Matter protests, and yes, there were riots. There was a police station in Minnesota which burned. That's not right. It's rioting. It's behavior that should be punished by getting arrested by people facing criminal charges. And unfortunately, we've gotten to a point now where I think both, and this is a both sides argument here, where regardless of which side you're on, you need to come out as a precursor and say, oh yes, rioting is bad. I think most common and average people, they understand rioting and destruction of property is bad. Our president-elect has said that multiple times himself, okay? But I still find this to be the false equivalency. What we saw in the summer And yes, there was some violent behavior and there was property damage. What we saw last Wednesday was our nation's capital. And I do think a matter of degree should be considered here. That was people, or those were people, excuse me, breaking into the capital of the United States of America for the first time anyone had done that since the War of 1812. And they did it pretty easily. And that worries me. I'm not one that thinks America is perfect. I think it's quite imperfect. But at the end of the day, I'm still kind of an idealist. And I still think that certain institutions need to hold because as much as I love listening to Rage Against the Machine, I am not an anarchist. I don't want anarchy. (laughs) I like social order. I'd like some things performed, absolutely. But there is still something to be said about maintaining law and order. And oddly enough, the contradiction, of course, is that Donald Trump has so often parroted himself as the law and order candidate when in actuality what happened last Wednesday was perpetuated by his words. And oddly enough, some of these guys that were on the Washington or the Washington, D.C. police force, they were not even doing the law and order thing themselves. They were essentially letting some of these people into the Capitol. So I'm worried. I don't know what's next. I don't know what we're going to see, what the next you know, violent demonstration or the next act of you know, domestic terrorism, let's call it what it is, 
Lone Wolf or stuff that's being planned right now on different platforms like one called Telegram based out of, I think, Abu Dhabi, where a lot of these Proud Boys and things like that are communicating right now. We don't know what's next. The inauguration is next week. I'm going to wake up a bit of a nervous wreck on that day, hoping that things just go smoothly. And I've never, as an American, had to consider if Inauguration Day is going to go smoothly or not. Never. Not even after the first black president was elected did I have any of these thoughts that I do going into next Wednesday. And to me, as someone that I try to always be self-aware and make sure that if I'm speaking hyperbolically, if that is a word or not, or if I'm getting way too grand in these statements, I try to be self-aware enough to say, you know what, I might be exaggerating this here, but I am genuinely concerned about what may or may not happen. And until I go to bed late on January 20th and the day has come and gone and things go relatively smoothly, I'm going to have that creeping pit in my stomach feeling. Please let everything work out. And the reason that we need to consider any of this in the first place is because of the last four years and the rhetoric that came from the very top. Don't lose sight of the power of words or especially the power of words coming from a magnetic personality like Donald Trump. I didn't subscribe to his newsletter. I never would, but a lot of people did. And I understand why. There's some charisma there. There's this bluster that people seem to like from him. And it was coming from a place of genuine anger. I understand that as well. But four years later, that anger that they might have had, his supporters about economic anxiety, things like that, losing jobs overseas, that anger over the course of four years went from that into a much more paranoid and conspiracy-laden place. And this is why we find ourselves in a situation where Americans knowing that they'll get arrested, will willingly break into a Capitol, into its chambers, with weapons, break into Congress people's offices. They willingly did that. I just don't want to know how far they're willing to go. And that's what concerns me. It's been nagging me in the back of my head. Did not anticipate that I was going to address it. And again, if you weren't into politics, then, well, sorry, the last eight minutes probably weren't for you. But I will kind of preface that stuff before I go into it for those that just aren't into it. And I get it. But it has been bothering me, and I just hope that January 20th comes and goes. And as we go to sleep that night, it was just a ho-hum, normal, well, you know, relatively normal. It is a pandemic still. Inauguration day where on January 21st, ah, business as usual. Call me old-fashioned. Call me old-fashioned, but I like social order, and I like our institutions. I want some reform. Yes, I do. But you know what? I overall don't want anarchy. I don't want civil war. I don't want people dying. That's pretty much it. Six people last week, that's six people too many for something that didn't need to happen in the first place. I would like to think as an idealist that America is better than that until it shows otherwise. Maybe it isn't. Maybe this is who we are. But at a minimum, we should strive to be better than that crap that we saw last Wednesday. That's a joke. By the way, Thomasboro. Thomasboro just up the road about 10, 15 miles. Their mayor was there. And... He was bragging about it, I think on a Zoom call or something, and said he had a euphoric feeling after being part of that. Now, I understand why the dopamine levels would be going pretty high after you break into a capital, but the fact that this Nimrod is bragging about it up in Thomasboro. So if we got any listeners in Thomasboro, I'm sorry that that's your representative because that's, that's kind of sad. All right, listen, soapbox off of it. Next week, or this week, I should say, we will be back, I believe, Thursday. Maybe if there's some more news. If not, we'll be back Saturday, of course, for the post-game, second half post-game of the Ohio State game, which is a huge game for this Illinois team. And they can really kind of cleanse the palate with a big win against Ohio State and maybe start working their way to some consistency. That is my word of the day, consistency. 
You don't need to be consistently great, but at least be consistently good. And that alone for this team, with the talent that they have on it, that could be enough to keep them in this Big Ten title race. Do I expect it? I don't. Prove me wrong, please, Illinois. Okay, before we go, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code MIKE for $5 Cal Zones. Get custom zones with any topping you want or some of their favorites like Maui Wowie, Buffer Zone, and best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. dpdoe.com. Also, 4th and Kirby online at 4thandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off at 4thandkirby.com. Get your lucky t-shirt. Listen, Illinois basketball, we need to change the fortunes here. We need to find some consistency, get a lucky shirt, and keep wearing it. 4thandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, we work with Brian when we moved to the new house, and it was as seamless as it could have been. We had high expectations, and they surpassed it. BrianIsMyGuy.com. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. We're going to get out of here and we'll see you later this week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.